Well, hello, Jake. Oh, looks like Jake's not talking right now, so I will do all the talking. Hello, everyone. I know this is about a minute before. Uh, Jake, you're finally here. Sorry, it took me a second. I was <laughs> do something. Oh, it's that's... all about me and my technical difficulties. You always have technical difficulties, but you know what I miss? What? I miss the elevator music. I actually got to enjoy it. Well, I totally understand that. However, elevator music goes. So, yes, yes, yes. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the recording and the show of this week's The Writer's Block. And we will be discussing first drafts. We'll give it a minute or so for people to join us if they want. If not, hopefully we will have a very special guest come on. I don't, did you invite him? Well, I'm I'm working on that part too. Oh, so. <laughs> okay. Well, for those of you that don't know, welcome to the Writers Block. We are, by we, I mean Jake, is going to be inviting Stephen King to the show. We'll see if he joins. If not, oh well, we'll we'll move on without him. You are all welcome to do, to dive in on this week's discussion. We'll be discussing first drafts and the importance of them. This is an open conversation, so please feel free to request to speak, and you are welcome to jump in whenever. Jake, you let me know when you've invited him, and then we will continue our discussion. Awesome. <laughs> in the meantime, <laughs> in the meantime, I would love to give a huge shout out to everybody out there who is querying um it's a topic that we've talked before on the writer's block and uh you know we understand that we had only an hour to get through as much as we can and so that will be a topic that we will revisit so don't stress that part we've got so much more information to tell you on querying and there's a couple of other topics that we will be jumping back into again as well yes my personal favorite is marketing we'll definitely be jumping back into the marketing one because I know as indie authors and L authors, actually, we struggle with that. So those are going to be, I think those are our Jake's topic and my topic of love right now is we each have our favorite to discuss. I mean, yeah, <laughs> and that's all good. That's all good. Ben, if you want to talk, feel free to request. We'll get you in here, get you started. But Jake, are you ready? Have you invited our, our guest yet? Um, I have not, because I'm still having technical difficulties, but we're just going to move on. <laughs> we'll just move on. It's fine. It's, you know what? Live and learn. Learn to pivot, and we'll go on from it, right? So, for, for usual, I usually start off the show with something that Jake knows nothing about, and I love hitting him with this information, or whatever you want to call it, this topic. Because I just like to get his general reaction. I am so nervous. <laughs> <laughs> you, sh you should be nervous because this one's a tough one. Like, I don't even know where I stand on it. <laughs> okay. And I'm okay. usually pretty, I know where I stand on stuff, right? So, lately I've been reading a lot of banned books. And a lot of banned books were not written on our current time. There's a plethora of older books that are banned, right? So I just finished yeah. One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. 
Very nice. Um, so my question for you is, and I, for dialogue, when you have a character, if you're setting your story in a certain time frame, and you have a character in there, obviously, would it um, be appropriate for you as a modern day writer to have them use offensive language? Okay. Um, <laughs> I, I felt that nervousness. So you're like, oh, crap. So here's the thing. Um, offensive language can mean a lot of things to a lot of different people. Mm-hmm. But there are some standard ones that I know that you're kind of hinting at and moving towards. Um, and I would say that the books were written in a time when those words were more acceptable. Mm-hmm. And I don't love that, honestly. Um, it's a lot like uh, classic movies like Gone with the Wind and other things because there's there is a lot of ifs, ands, and buts around this and a lot of ways that uh, modern writers need to be more politically correct uh, yes. and say banned books from 100 years ago. Um, I would say if we are talking about uh, like strong language like swearing and stuff, that depends on the age group. I think that's kind of just a fact of life that we kind of go through. Um, in the current time that we're in. But as far as older books having derogatory terms in them and using swear swear words and things like that, I think a lot of them, the author has passed away and there's not a lot of feedback that we can give them. So I would say um, avoid them if it makes you personally uncomfortable. Good answer. That's a good answer. Okay. All right. Well, that was... That was my opening topic for the week. Um, and now, we'll move on to that one. <laughs> yeah, it's all good. Now, Brandon, <laughs> Bill has joined us as a listener, and we have been waiting weeks and weeks to get Bill back here on the show. He's been a little busy with family stuff um, and, uh, you know, just just life in general. And uh, he posted a question to our questionnaire a couple when when we first started almost and so Mm -hmm. i would love to kind of jump into that topic with bill really quick and if he can only listen that is totally good if you want to be a speaker bill just raise your hand you can use the little emoji heart in the bottom and we'll go from there but well and if anybody wants to be a speaker since how we're getting more people on you are welcome to this is an open discussion yes absolutely um i'm going to tell you a little bit about um bill in his writing journey he's currently working on two middle grade fantasy novels and he is really hoping to land an agent and a publisher Mm. now bill's question is a really important one how do you keep a first person narrative firmly in a character's emotions and point of view i'll let that sink in for a moment (laughs) Ooh. uh you know, I'm going to defer back to you, Jake. I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> that is all good. Um, first person narrative uh, usually uses I and we. Um, first person narrative is 
all set from the narrator's perspective. The narrator is a character in the story and they are right in there with it. The other characters interact with them. Uh, Third person, which I'm guessing Bill's referring to, is he, she, it, and they perspective. Um, It's where most times the narrator is not a part of the story. The characters don't interact with the narrator um, as a character. Now, I will say that first person and emotions are the biggest key right there and the easiest way to kind of move forward with this. The best way to keep in first person is to use the emotions of the character. And by that, I mean, if you are writing in first person, Bill, and you have your main character, and I I know both of your main characters actually from both books, and... The thing is, is you want to focus on their emotions. If another person has an inward emotion or thought, that will not be there in first person because it's all done from the perspective of your main character. I'm hoping that that helped. And Bill, obviously, if we didn't answer your question well enough, feel free to reach out in the DMs and we will uh, take that another five, six, seven steps forward or however many we need to do because the writer's block is here for you guys. Yes. <laughs> I'm just going to sit by. When he says we, he means Jake did an amazing job answering that question. I struggle with that still. So, <laughs> Well, Brandon, speaking of that, like, is why is it so hard to write in a specific perspective depending on where you're at in your writing journey? Ooh, you know, I think that's, I think that's tough for a lot of authors because, you know, it's how do you, what's this person feeling? What's this person feeling? And you jump from emotion to emotion. And we as authors, we, and I, and I posted a video the other day and I know Ben commented on it and I know you did too about how we kind of have to wear our emotions on our sleeves and we broke back and forth. But for us to be able to write those high stakes emotions and so on and so forth, that's, that's just how we live. So I think it's hard to have certain scenes where there's a high amount of emotion from one character, but then you don't have that from another character because they're calm. So it's, it's difficult to jump back and forth. Yeah, it definitely can be. Um, Bill's kind of text us on the side over here and let us know that that answered his question. So let's go ahead, Brandon, and move into our main topic for the night. Yes, I'm so excited about this. And I know, oh I know you know why. I know you know why. You, you baited me on this one. And I was like, I, I took it. I took the bait. And you did take the bait. And I am I so excited about this. Brandon has a very unique perspective on first drafts. Um, and I'm going to let him jump into that. We're going to start with this portion of the discussion with Brandon specifically, because he has a brilliant way of discussing first drafts. I don't, brilliant's a strong word. I mean, I don't know about that, but so I, you know, for me, I write my first drafts and they're crap i mean they're they're total shit but it's just to get the idea out of my head a scene or a dialogue specifically and what i do is i'll do bullet points 
this is what I'm writing, this is what I want, and then I'll write it out. And then I'll fit it into the story as needed. Now, I'm going to toot my own horn here for a second. Um, I'm good with dialogue. I can see and I can hear two people talking very, very well. And Jake, you know this is more than anybody. I struggle with that emotional side and showing don't tell. Well, let's, my... let's be honest, Brandon. You don't share or have emotions as far as it comes to what you present to the world. No, I have no emotions. That was taken when I sold my soul. So that's, <laughs> that's not it. I don't have, I don't do emotions. So, <laughs> so I think I get those scenes flushed out. I, this is what I want. And when I read mine, usually the first time it's, it's very script like it's, this is what's going to happen so on and so forth. And this is what they're doing. So for me, then I go back in and I do it in layers. So I'll go back in and at first I usually just say said. Now I know said is, what's the general consensus on said, Jake? Here's the thing. If you're going to have a character say something in a certain way, just put said. Everybody glances over it anyway and you don't have to use it. But if you want to keep the action going in the store story flowing, you can always use action beats as part of telling who is speaking. Yes. Now, I pointed something out to you the other day that I try not to. So what I do is I go through and I highlight every time I say said in a specific color or asked in a specific color. And then I go through and I can see on each page how many times I've said it and then I can correct that. I don't personally like to say said too much. And listening to audiobooks, it clicked why I don't like to say set because I was listening to a book the other day and hand to God, every other line, it was said this person, said this person, said this person, said this person. And I reached out to you, Jake. I said, why? <laughs> I said, well, in, in reading, it's common practice, but that's just reading. Now, with the age of audiobooks, I think it's. I think we should try to get away from just saying said all the time um, because hearing it read to you and you're hearing that same word over and over and over again is different than glancing over it when you're reading. You can't take the word and just skim over it. It's being said to you. And it's, I had never thought of this until Brandon brought it up. And it was actually, um, you know, a, a very well-known author who, who had done this, and guess what? They're doing it right if you're reading. But yes. now we have this new dilemma with audiobooks, and it uh, it feels very, very repetitive. It does. It, I was actually like, are you fucking kidding me? Like, I was pissed, because they're one of my favorite authors, and I'll leave it at that and move on. So, I, I not, like, really quickly, I want to add something in. I could not agree with you more. I cannot stand repeated words, and I cannot stand the word said over and over again. So what I tend to do also is I will go through on one of my edits, because I do exactly what you do. Um, I write out the bones of the story, then I go back, and then I add in setting, and then I'll go back, and then I'll work on dialogue and things like that. And one of my early ones is I go back and I change most of the saids into other dialogue tags. Yes. And, as, and I just change them randomly into... 
Um, he suggested, he inquired, he, you know, things like that. So it's, so there's almost very few saids. And then when I finally go back and I'm fine tuning, I go back and go, oh, that doesn't sound right. And I change it back into said. And so there's not so many saids and there's still more dialogue tag. Now, of course, a lot of people get on me, especially my beta readers, and they'll go, God, just, just say said. And I just sit there and I go, delete, delete, delete their comments, not the words. I, you know, <laughs> like, no, absolutely not. I'm, you're wrong. And, you know, you're bad and you should feel bad. You know, like, no, absolutely not. You know, but it, I mean, I think it's a personal taste, but you're absolutely right. I never thought about the audiobook version of it. But when you're hearing the word over and over, I don't even like to repeat like the word door. You know, he looked at the door and then I'll talk about the frame instead of the door because I can't stand the word door yep. or any other word repeated more than once or twice in two or three sentences. I can't take it. Yeah. No, and I, I didn't. And I think it kind of clicked in Jake's mind when I was like, well, when you're hearing it in an audiobook, that changes it, right? That changes how you listen to it, obviously, because you're listening to an audiobook. So I think it's important to point that out. So that's one thing I do early on in my story of getting that first draft done and revising and editing and stuff like that. So that's a very, for me, it's a very quick process. And you know what? I count that as that's, a, that's me editing. That's all I'm going to do today is just change all that do however many pages, which I think Jake, Jake gets on me about how many pages sometimes I do in a day when I'm, I, at, that, when I'm at that level. I do, I do get a little, you know, huffy about it. And the reason being is that you just make the rest of us look bad. It, I do not. Let's, no, no. But y'all's writing is so much better than mine. Let's just clear that up. Anyways, moving, moving on. <laughs> Chuck, yeah. go ahead. Yeah, well, I mean, I disagree strenuously on not using said. Uh, have you ever read the Turkey City Lexicon, which makes pairs of the case that said is uh, the most is the best uh, speech tag out there, and anything else sounds um, sounds bad. Um, I don't know. It sounds it, basically said is it, nobody notices the word said. And uh, most writing, uh, anything else, just calls too much attention to itself and not to the dialogue. I think, Chuck, it also depends on the, I think it depends on the age group that you're writing for. Like I do write a lot of middle grade and said works fairly well for them. But a lot of times they are not as adept at reading emotions or reading between the lines. And so for them, it makes a lot of sense to to use different words so that they're really understanding um, what is going on in the story. Now, that being said, again, there's said, um, <laughs> there is a huge push in the writing industry where they have said, now let's just use said, but 20, 30 years ago, the fad was just the opposite, where they said, hey, you need to be using a lot of different words, mix it no, up. No, 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 no. The fad, I was writing 20, 30, 30 <laughs> years ago. And, and no, said was what was, uh, was used there. Back, maybe about 1930, they, they had what's known as said books. And you would go through this little book and add all sorts of synonyms for said. Um, there are a few, basically more recently, and I forget when it was done, sometime in the 80s, something came out called the Turkey City Lexicon. Uh, do you know of it? I don't. Okay. It is, it's basically a guide to writing 
primarily science fiction and fantasy, but it applies in everything. And they point out the said book. Uh, I, I'd have to go search for the actual quote. But basically, people don't notice the word said. It's, it's, it's unobtrusive. Um, I remember um, back in, I guess it was in the 80s, I was reading a Raymond Carver story. And I read the story. I liked it. I wanted to read it aloud. I read it aloud, and I found like he used, I said, he said, every sentence, every space said. Now, that's overdoing. But the point is, you didn't even, I didn't even notice it until I read it aloud. So Absolutely. people don't, people don't notice the word he said, she said. I mean, in my own writing, I probably use said 80% of the time. And then occasionally, and then the, the other 20%, I, I'll use ask because it's a question. Uh, and also, and also occasionally another uh, word, but there's, there's nothing wrong with it. You can't overuse said. I will agree that that said is out there for a reason, and it's there's a reason that it's popular. And I I probably misspoke a little bit earlier when I said 20, 30 years ago, because that's when I was in school and they were still teaching that we should use a ton of different words and not use said all the time. Which What's, honestly, what level what what level of school? Uh, high school all the way through elementary. Okay, so so you understand the reason why they do that is to to increase your vocabulary. It's not to make better writing. It's so that you use use more synonyms. It's like why they, they you know when you're in in elementary and high school they say you can't use a one word sentence. Um, well, they don't want to use a one word sentence. They want to give you more practice in writing, not Absolutely. because not because it's bad. So so yeah, they do do that as as an exercise so that you uh, learn more words and write more words. But you know whether it's good writing, it's really <laughs> good. Good yeah, writing is so subjective. I will totally agree with you, Jack. <laughs> um, so Brandon, let's head back on into the first draft topic itself. <laughs> okay, go ahead. I know what you want to ask me, and just ask it. I'm just, just going to ask it. So here's the thing, everyone. Brandon has a favorite movie and it's called a b-rated movie because it's really just <laughs> awful um and he thinks it's hilarious and i'm gonna let him tell you a little bit about this movie just to give you kind of like a laugh and a heads up and then i really want him to tie this in to why it is a first draft concept i okay i can tie this in i know i can tie this in so for those of you that don't know i enjoy what's commonly called B-rated movies, basically straight to VHS, straight to DVD, what have you. So once a week I sit down, I pick a crappy movie and I'll watch it. Now I came across one, uh, it was around the holidays, <laughs> that the title alone was is genius. It is called Santa Jaws. I'll let that simmer for just a second. Santa Jaws. It is exactly what you think it is. It is ridiculous it's ridiculous Ridic i love it it's so stupid so the premise is that this kid makes uh, it doesn't matter but there's a shark going around eating people and he's like dressed like santa and whenever he gets around people hear jingle bells and it's hilarious i love everything about it now it made me think i'm watching it and i'm like this isn't a b-rated movie this is a first 
draft movie. This is a fa- this is a story that they wrote on paper. They're like, it's perfect. It's good to go. And that gave me that confidence where I'm like, if this can be a fucking movie, my book can be a movie. So that's how I'm tying this in. And Jake, I know you're muted for you're probably laughing. I don't know what you're talking about, Brandon. <laughs> <laughs> so that that's where this whole episode is coming from. Because I was on this kick of telling Jake what this movie is. And he's like, we got to talk about it. I'm like, well, we have to. Because I think it's important for authors to remind themselves. It, it's important that it, the story's good. And it makes people laugh. And it makes people smile. Even though it may be really, really bad. To begin with, that's the worst it's going to be. It's just going to get better from there. So, Jake, what is your favorite first draft movie? Oh, um, that is putting me on the spot. I am not as movie-versed as you are. Um, I know. I've made you a list of movies you need to watch. I I do know that. (laughs) Um, As far as, like, B-rated movies go, I would go with The Blob. (gasps) Ooh, that's a classic. It is a classic, and I, I, but I just find it hilarious. I like a lot of the old black and white ones because a lot of them were trying really hard, but to me, they are first draft movies. So and I know that it, kills you. <laughs> let's, yeah. I love a good first draft movie, and that's what I call them now. They're no longer B-rated movies. They're first draft movies. So let's make that happen. Let's let's have that discussion. Um, so I, what? How do you do your first draft, Jake? So I am one of those horrible, horrible people that you hear about that writes and edits as they go. And you I are know the you're, devil. I know. You're the devil. I know. I hate you for Seriously, that. Seriously, the devil. Seriously, thank you, Ben. Thank you. I'm glad. No, these are awful That's... people. And No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <God>. <laughs> no, but you're awful people. No, but I love you. I mean, I love awful people, but you're awful people. See, here's the thing. Ben, I know, can whip out a first draft in no time flat. I know. I, He's told me. I just can't do it. I just, I... I have but, the idea in my head, and it's percolating, and I'm just like, you know what? Let's let's fix this. Let's 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 make this better already. So, Jake, I have a question because I there's a reason why I do what I do, and I think why some of us, um, you know, push out a draft and then go back. I will get stuck because I love to make things beautiful, and so and I love to perfect things, and so for me, I'll get stuck, and I have the rest of the manuscript to do. And I'm making this one stupid paragraph at the end of chapter three. It's wonderful. <laughs> and there's so many things that my characters are screaming about. And I'm like, I'll get to that. Let me just let me just do this first. And then, you know, it's been three months and I'm still on chapter three, but it's a beautiful chapter, you know. Absolutely. Um, I actually have the same problem. Um, there are times when I get stuck in places where I go over the same chapter over and over and over again. And then I'm like, oh wait, hold on. If I just switch this thing in chapter two then everything will work out. And I go back to chapter two and I start revising that one. Um, And so eventually I get back to chapter one and I'm like, oh, I think I've been here before. And this happens multiple, multiple times while I'm working on this first draft. Um, But after that, after that, I do think it helps to make the editing process a little easier. I end up making a list. So as I'm going through, when when you go back to go, oh, let me fix that, at the bottom of my manuscript, I have lists of things that need to be corrected, things I might change, and I make those notes. And then once it's done, 
then I can go back and start tweaking and I just kind of check them off. Um, See, so I guess I, you do the same thing, just in different order. Yeah, just a different order. And again, we're going to reiterate, there is no long, wrong way to write. Everybody well, and, <laughs> can write however they want. I do this kind of the same thing that Ben does, but I usually leave myself like a comment. Like I highlight it and like, okay, I don't like how this is worded, change this word or whatever, come back to it and just move on. And that helps me actually get through stuff fairly quickly sometimes where I'm like, let's just go from here or I've got the ending in my head. Okay, how do we get this character from point A to point Z, right? Like, how do we get there? And work myself backwards. And, and that works for you. And the, the big thing is, is that it, you just have to find a process that works for you. Yes. Um, I would like to really quickly just get a show of emojis of how many of you write a perfect draft. Like your first draft is perfect. Get the fuck out of here, Jake. You guys <laughs> do not have to answer that. You do not have to answer that. Jake is also one of those weird people that's like, here's here all this is he he's a planner right he knows how this all gonna work out so unlike most of us he needs to just not be like that <laughs> i was just doing that as an exercise i would love to hear or i would love to see i guess emojis for those who don't write perfect first drafts flood and this better be everybody it's gonna be i'll send mine heart little heart very nice yes um, nobody's first draft is perfect. And I think that's something that we as writers really need to wrap our head around because we write this first draft and it's absolute crap. And we sit there and we say, oh my gosh, I am a horrible writer. There's nothing that can help save this. I'm just going to throw it into the furnace and burn it. That's what most well, of us do. Well, don't do that. I mean, well, why not? Why would you want to burn it? You've got great ideas on paper. You just need to tweak them a little bit. And that's where that's where that next stage comes in, where it's like, okay, that stage is done. It's one step. That's the first step you take to getting up the stairs. Now you have to take the next step in going and reworking those ideas to making sure the story flows really well. Uh... But... Brian's in, in the comments and he says he will recommend Seven Drafts by Allison K. Williams. I'm guessing that is a lovely book that we can use to uh, get these drafts moving in the right direction. At least I'm yeah. hoping that's what it's for. <laughs> um, the, the next question, I guess, would be when is a first draft ready to move on to the next level? So I, I don't mind sending my first draft. I have a particular person that I send it to, so I want her to listen to read it. Usually, very first draft of a story. And I don't give a shit how crappy it is, but then she can gauge how much I've grown as an author, and then she can kind of help give me direction on where I want to. She's like, I this doesn't read well. Um, and if anybody has any comments, feel free to jump in. This is it's open discussion so i don't have a problem with that but i'm fairly new at this <laughs> hmm. I, I i tend to you know write a first draft and it's certainly not perfect but the first draft usually has everything that'll make the story work 
And it's just a matter of editing it to focus on the elements that need to be doing. I do several passes um, usually. This My current one's taken a lot longer. But generally, I will pass through it, make notes to myself, make sure things are consistent. Um, and, you know, because sometimes since I, I write, uh, write completely by the seat of my pants, I will sit there and something in chapter 24, and then I go back to chapter three to edit it and say, oh, wait, you know, that's not going to be consistent with how that happens later. And I have to do things to make that consistent. Chuck, really quick, how many drafts do you normally do on one of like your standard pieces, on one of your standard manuscripts? Well, I don't do drafts. I do edits. Well, so, you know, I don't. Edits, I don't. Say. I, 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 well, three to four. Three to four. I love that. Um, I think Brian has you beat right now, and I know Brian wants to jump on here and talk. I think you're at 14 right now. Is that right, Brian? That is correct. That is correct. But I am also writing memoir. Um, and this baby has gone through um, six different beginnings. Um, and um, I've also, you know, uh, all, all different kinds of things have gone into each different draft. Um, but um, personally, I it, my first draft took four months. And I knew it was... I knew it was done when I got to the end of the chronology that I was trying to capture, right? And then that's another big advantage of, of <laughs> memoir, right? You're usually going to fix on a, on a period of time. Absolutely. Um, uh, and I needed, of course, to um, uh, I, I needed, of course, to go back and think about, you know, what belonged in that chronology, what was advancing the story, what was the through line. All of those different things that make memoir really good, um, and so yeah, there were there have been multiple multiple drafts. Um, I didn't get my copy of seven drafts until like the middle of draft four, and at which point I was like, you know what, <laughs> this, this, this would have been lovely to have at the beginning. I um, love it, Brian. I love it. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, it is a wonderful book, and in the reason why I like it so much is because it, it it's written with the same kind of humor and and pedantic uh, and not in the bad sense, but like informational uh, senses that I have. Um, I love to teach people. I love to I love to make people laugh. And Allison is is exactly in that spot with me. Um, the same was true of reading Dreyer's English, which helped my draft a lot. One of my drafts a lot. Um, by Benjamin Dreyer, his his style is extremely sharp and funny and um, informative. And I ha actually have two copies of that book. If one, if anybody wants one, um, but uh, but yeah, it's and I also you know I also think hey, first drafts are going to be crappy. They're going to be. It's just what you've able to vomit out onto the page i would never burn that i you know like okay let's look at it like how can it be fixed how can it be improved how can it be developed um so yeah i think that's a big thing in the writing community is most writers are very hopeful people because with what we start out with we should not be that hopeful oh, I, I, present company <laughs> excluded fuck that <laughs> But I find 
that I think most of us are hopeful in just a brilliant way that these first drafts will become this amazing story, something that people in the world need and want to read. Um, I do have a comment in the in the um, discussion about from M. Templin. She says that a great book is This Year You Write Your Novel by Walter Mosley. Um, it's got 102 ratings and it's totally at five star. Um, and the audiobook's only two hours and 18 minutes, which is awesome. I want to um, go back to I've, Jason. I've Jason. listened oh. to that like four times. I love it, Em. It, has it helped you? I, yes, it did, because basically it goes against everything that you do. Uh, you write everything down, and I have kept every single first draft without edits that I've ever written. That, for me, I can look back on and say, look how far I've come. Right. So I have, like, draft one, draft two, draft three, draft 16, draft 32. Uh, <laughs> I love that. It's, for me, I can look all the way back to the beginning and go, holy crap, how could I have thought that that ending was worth anything? And then, you know, the ending that I have now is, like, perfect. So I think that's all, it, it's all about getting to the be to the end. You want to have, you know, the entire thing down. It doesn't matter what it looks like. It, I think Stephen King said this, that he is an awful writer, but he is a great rewriter. And we do not, as writers, edit our work. We rewrite our work. You cannot edit your own work right. unless, like, you're a grammar school English teacher. I um, totally connect with that. Totally. Yes. That's very, very well said. Very well said. Brandon, you were gonna say, "Let's go back to what?" I think Jason wanted to say something. He, but yeah. I might have been wrong. It was a little bit earlier ago, but uh, basically, that good. statement's already been kind of set out a couple of times, so it's kind of new at this point. Okay. Well, if anybody else has oh, anything to uh, say, oh, Brandon, I yeah. had something to say to you about the audio books since I yes. have like eight hundred of them in my library. Good for you. Most really good um, narrators skip over the word said. They don't even read it. Oh. So in the book that you probably got a hold of, probably got a hold of not so good of a narrator. Hmm. Um, but a lot of times I've noticed between reading one and actually listening to one, they skip over the word said, asked, replied. Um, or whatever the term might be. Oh, but, I, didn't, I did not know that. Thank you. Yes. Yeah, awesome. Don't don't hold it against the book. It may just be the way the narrator decided to read it. Most really good narrators will read that book two or three times before they actually read it to the audio. Hmm. Well, that's that is very good. No, thank you for that. I've actually come to notice that myself. With, uh, some, uh, oh, very nice voice actors. And see, I hadn't even thought of that. I do. I like to read out of a, an actual book that I can hold, and not that that's uh, better or worse in any way. But I have. I don't listen to many audiobooks, so it, that never crossed my mind. <laughs> I love a good audiobook. Love them. 
Well, I don't sleep a lot, and laying in bed and just letting my mind wander sometimes gets too much. So I'll pop on, pop in my earbuds and listen to an audio book. So, first drafts, what else? I mean, they can be total shit, right? Total shit. <laughs> they can totally be. Uh, <laughs> They're always shit. <laughs> yes. Here's one thing that I would like to know. Is there... I know that I can... If I'm really sitting down and working and not beta reading and stuff, I can get through a first draft in three months, which is not as fast as Ben, who has done it in like a week, but yeah, well, you know, three months is not that bad. Um, but I also know authors that have, and writers that have, you know, taken eight, nine years to write a draft. And I just like to point out that that is okay. Ben, say what you got to say. I know you have some snarky comments. <laughs> no, I was going to say, um, <laughs> Out, out of all of the manuscripts that I've written, um, only the last two or three have been written quickly. Um, the other ones took um, six months, four months, whatever. But I also had the time. And it's interesting because somebody recently, um, actually several people recently said, um, oh, how do you push yourself to write every day? And that's my living hell, to sit down and force myself to write. And um, I think for me, especially when writing a draft, because of the way that I do it, where I just get the bones down, I have to go through and hit certain sections, and then I can go in and add the beauty later. I have to be inspired to do it, to, to jump through and put down all of those, um, those points that I want. And I don't know that I can sit there and plan out and go, okay, I'm going to do a thousand words today. And I feel like sometimes my writing specifically, I don't know about others, suffers if I force myself to do it because I also hate going back and deleting what I've written. And so, you know, then going back and rewriting, I end up, you know, eventually deleting everything and re redoing it. But it's more work for me. Um, and so I think that when you have that moment, that's, that's when you should sit down and bang out as much as you can when you're feeling it. Um, but that's why some of my drafts have, I mean, I, you know, I've written some very, very quickly. And then other ones have taken months just because I don't feel the magic. You know, if I don't feel um, that, that I'm ready to write it, I just, I just don't. And so I'm wondering what others do. Do you guys force yourself to do it? Do you have a schedule? Do you just wait until the moment's right? Like, I've always kind I of have found, to have a visit from my muse. I've always kind of I found write in the past. I, I write every day. Uh, occasional stops. But I mean, I, 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 I just have to, I, once I, my muse comes when I'm writing. So if, if I want something, if I want to, Want to? Uh, if I'm working on something and uh, I, when I sit down at the typewriter, I read what I wrote the last time and I go from there. And um, you know, I, I, I tend to do. I don't do a lot, uh, five hundred thousand words a day. But if you do it every day, you finish pretty quickly. So, um, when I wrote the first draft of my memoir, I was able to do uh, I, I basically an hour every morning. Um, because we were working from home, I didn't need to commute, and I just rededicated that time to writing. However, um, not everybody is able to make uh, an everyday writing practice work. Um, not everybody has that luxury of that time. Um, I would never, you know, I can't imagine what it would be like with kids running around the house or uh, pets 
um, you know, or needing to cook all of the food in, in this house. Thankfully, my husband does help with all of that. However, um, you know, I think it's I think it's okay to be gentle with yourself in terms of when it works. Uh, last night was a particularly good example for me because I laid down in bed and all of a sudden there was an essay just like clawing out of my out of my brain and I just picked up the phone and I took the dictation and got down the main points and I'm ready to keep building on that. So I didn't, it didn't happen in the morning. It, it just it happened then. So that's when I did it. I love that. That Brian, that's I, awesome. And I, Chuck, I appreciate your comments too. I think uh, for each of us, our muse shows up when it's as as part of our process. And Chuck, your process is I'm going to sit down and write, and the words come to you as you reread last time and and put new stuff on paper. Um, I know for. For M, she absolutely has to have her muse hit, otherwise she cannot write. And it's there there are nine hundred million ways under the sun that each of our muses comes out and says, Hey, I need you to write this. Well, that that, that that's certainly true. Everyone does it differently. Um uh, I've always been able to uh, carve out at least a half hour a day. Uh, and and spend that time writing. It also helps that I touch type at 50 words a minute, so it doesn't take me very long to get the words down. Oh, but, for sure. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, I, yeah. So so um, that that helps a lot. I mean, I, at one point I was um, I was going for my master's. I was working full time. I had a daughter. I did all the shopping, and I still was writing a half hour. See, and that's awesome. I think that uh, I think that if you can write every day, absolutely do it. If you can't write every day, like I have kids and a job and a husband who works full time, and you know, between pets and cooking and everything else, I don't always have time to write. Um, especially mm -hmm. when I'm, I I tend to say yes too much to nine hundred million beta reads. And do I'm you? Working up. Yeah, I do. do. You? Are you shocked by that? I'm not shocked by that at all. Like at all. I'm working on getting you to say the word no, and that is perfectly acceptable. It is. And you've never perfect. read anything of mine. Shame. Oh, I know. I'm so sorry. Shame. Um, Shame. MJ, you had something you wanted to say? Uh, yeah. Um, so I'm actually in the process of trying to refinish my first book. Um, I had put a, a novella together uh, a while back and uh, uh, it probably could have used a couple more reads through before I put it up on Amazon. So I took it down real fast, um, but I'm getting through the process of, uh, of adding some things to it. But I have a kind of a polyamorous relationship to my various works in progress. So I end up <laughs> going from one project that. that inspires me to the next one and then coming back to it when it sort of works out well from there, when it's sort of like, oh, this is clicking here. So I'm going to work on this. I don't know how terrifying that is for your more experienced and successful authors to hear, but it's just, it seems like that has been the more successful avenue since I kind of pivoted more to short fiction lately. But I do want to do more 
bigger scale novel writing. And so of trying to change my fly by the seat of my pants ways and actually write an outline first, which is really aggravating Stop because now. I feel like I have to have the story Stop to write the outline. I get in this sort of weird situation there. He's not listening to me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> don't do an outline. Stop don't it. do it. <laughs> um, I don't outline. Brandon sort of does an outline. I know where you're, Jake, I know where you're going to go with this. I know where you're going to go with this. Where am I going to go with this, Brandon? Jake's going to bring up, Brandon, how many books are you working on right now? Aren't you? I wasn't going to say anything. You're a fucking liar. You're a liar. Cause MJ. That's, MJ, that's exactly what I do. I jump you are from a book pantser, to book. You're a pantser. That's it. Yes. There's nothing wrong with you. No. Okay. No. There is absolutely nothing That is wrong very reassuring. That is. 65% of all novelists are hamsters. And some of them are really? a combination of plotters and hamsters. Absolutely. So do not feel bad if that's how you write. You do not have to outline. Sometimes outlining for a hamster will actually do the exact opposite of what you want it to do. It will take the story out of your head and you will grow bored with it. Yes. And I'm well speaking said. from experience. Yes. Yep. If you are a outliner, outline. If you are a pantser, pantser. If there's nothing wrong with it. Num number the second thing I want to say is in your rough draft, ignore everything. Ignore all the advice. Do not ask for advice on Twitter. Ignore it all. Just write your story. Just write it. It's just write advice. It. Just write. Um, I know that M commented here just a minute ago and said that for you, Brandon, she has a book to suggest. Do you want to know what it is? I do. What is it? The Emotional Craft of Fiction. Oh, How crap. to Write the Story Beneath the Surface. Damn you, M. <laughs> it's reviewed I... really well by Donald Mass. And uh, I think he actually should... has a publishing agency. I think you should probably um, put I'll that on your audio book. Your audio book. I'll consider it. That's the best you're going to get. <laughs> All right. It's actually very entertaining. All right. I do want to get to Sydney has a question for you, Jake. Oh, really? Um, how do you know when you're done and ready to query? Okay. So this is a tough one. Um, I have been querying and I just got an agent. Um, which is exciting, toot, but it took me toot, four toot, years to get there. Toot, toot. Um, I will say that um, follow your gut is a, is a really good thing to do when you are wondering if your draft is done um, or if, if, your, if your manuscript is done and ready to go. I would uh, not turn in a first draft to an agent or a publishing house or... You know, but at the same time, I queried way too early for my the first book that I wrote. Um, and I probably and I almost sent out a hundred queries on that one because I was just so sure it was just that amazing. Um, and it really wasn't. It was really pretty awful now that I'm looking back at it. 
And uh, <laughs> I will say, you know that it's done when you can have somebody outside of your friends and family read it, somebody who's willing to give you tough criticism, um, and and they can step away and say, you know what? This is good. I really liked this. So that would be my suggestion as far as when you know it's done. That's the only criticism I ever take. Be better be brute honest or I'm gonna be pissed. And that and that's something we all want from our beta readers and from the people that we're asking to read our work. We want them to be brutally honest. We want them to say, you know what, this paragraph or this sentence isn't working for me and here's why. Absolutely. I mean yeah, I mean I have like four beta readers I, I use constantly. And they know basically is I want the blood honest truth. If this doesn't work, you let me know and I'll go back and rewrite it. I mean even if I have to like I mean I've I've like destroyed like fifty thousand words just to rewrite an entire like half a book to make it work. So now, Jason I have a question for you along those lines. Do you send your very first draft to these beta readers? Oh, hell no. <laughs> I, I, I've gone through it four or five times um, before I would do that. I mean, kind of like what M does. She kind of like has revision one, revision two, revision three, revision four. I, I do something kind of similar, except for uh, I'll keep like the first copy and then I will make like a ton of changes. Then I'll save it and then I will go back through it again and in each time i'm actually looking for different things um i'm looking for like obviously you know the, the normal stuff um continuity grammar all that stuff does the scene flow as it should is it given the emotional inflections that i wanted to have and all that stuff and then when i have those i'll move on to the next aspect and whatnot um and, uh, you know, when I get that done, then I'll, you know, I'll reread it one more time and then I'll send it out to my first beta reader and I'll get his feedback. Um, if there's anything that needs to be changed, I'll look at it, but after, after he's done, I'll actually send it to a second person, non-related or anything like that to see if I get the same result. Um, and I'll, I'll, I'll keep doing that to like four or five people. Um, if I get the same result from each person, then I know I need to go back and I need to change something because there's something that's not flowing. But if it's just like one person, it's like, okay, that could just be that person's mindset and how they think. That's not maybe not necessarily the, you know, the story, just kind of how they think. But if I get the same result from multiple people, then it's like, okay, you know what? I need to go back and I need to address this and and uh, look and see how I'm going to uh, rewrite it or change it or correct it. And then when I get those things done, then I'll go and send it off and, um, you know, go back and kind of repeat the process. It's like, hey, does this work for you? And all that stuff. Like, yeah, it's better. So then I kind of move on to my next stage from there. Very nice. Very nice. Nice. 
Um, I want to throw something out there, and this may work for some people and it might not work for others, but it was something that I totally disregarded when I was first starting to write. And um, it's something that I have come to learn through much hardship, and I wish I would have listened to people. Um, but don't be afraid. I know as authors, we sometimes get impatient for things to happen uh, to get an agent or to get the book out there or to, you know, finish the first draft or whatever else. But once you've finished that first draft, let it rest. Leave it alone for a minute. Come back to it with fresh eyes and see if you can, you know, pick out different things. It gives you a chance to... Um, have a different perspective is what I would say. And if you can do that in between drafts, I think it's brilliant. Yes. Agreed. Let it just simmer for a little bit. So Ben, what were you Uh, going to say? No, it's just, I was just gonna say, amen. Um, That's exactly what I tend to do. I write and then I just let it sit for a month um, typically, and I don't touch it. Um, But what I was also going to say was uh, really quickly, I normally do um, the, the normal beta, beta thing and I'm going through and I have several versions and I send it out and most recently what's interesting was I did my rough draft and then I literally asked Twitter I said I have a rough draft it is in rough shape who wants to beta and I got a, a lot of people and I asked them individually what are you good at and they said oh I'm great at grammar I said oh I'm great at dialogue or I'm great at you know at, at point of view and I said great that's what I want you to focus on and I sent out my original draft and I have gotten so much feedback but it's also in instead of me perfecting and editing to where I think it's good and then setting out and doing that, they've given me points that now I know what to do from just from those five chapters. I know what to do for the rest of my manuscript. So now I have an idea of what other people are looking at. So I know how to edit it because someone said before, and I can't remember who that it is so hard for us to edit our own writing. We rewrite our own writing, but it's so hard for us to edit. So, um, you know, if you're brave enough, um, and I, well, I was this time, it was my fifth manuscript before I finally did it. Um, I said, it's rough draft. It's awful. Who wants a shot at it? And several people volunteered. I'm grateful for them. Um, and the feedback has been incredible. That's the beauty. That's the beauty of our community. We're here to help each other, right? Actually, I, that's actually a really good idea, actually. I've never even kind of considered that before. Yeah, you ask them what they're good at, and then they say, oh, I'm great at this. Well, great, you focus on that for the first two chapters, and then I don't have to go through and put my heart into it. I can go and go, ah, this is what I'm doing, because if you do it in the first chapter, you're probably doing it throughout all of it, right? Because it's oh, the style. It's the, and so you then pick up on that and go, that's what people will pick up on. But if also if you don't like their comments, you go, ah, I want to keep that. That's my style. You know, but it gives you an outline. It gives you a view. And it's a more holistic approach to um, starting your editing. And then you go back and go, okay, now I'm ready. It's had several edits by me. Who's now ready for a more polished version? Um, so it's, it's, a, yeah, it's a new take that I tried, but it's uh, you try it out. It's um, I, it, it's worked in my favor. So. Actually, yeah. Actually, actually Is this thing on full duplex or not? Do we know that? Sorry, what? Jason, what was that last part? Oh, the chat here. I've never been in one of these kind of chat things before. Is this for in full duplex, or is it just single off at a time? I guess, I, I guess I'm not understanding the question. Um, we host this one 
every Wednesday and anybody's welcome to join and anybody can speak. We want this to be a discussion. We love people to hop on and chat with us and um, we have a lot of fun. Okay. Yeah. So one person can talk at a time or can two people talk at a oh, time? Oh, sorry. I just misunderstood your question, Jason. Two People can talk over each other. People can can kind of do whatever. We try to keep it one at a time um, with people just kind of muting their mic in between. Um, if you are really wanting to say something, go ahead and use an emoji and you can raise your hand. Um, but really, we just kind of take turns. Okay, I was trying to get the rules. I've never been in one of these things before. Yeah, so I'm just... uh, no, you're, cool doing, you're, you're doing great. Don't worry. And Jake, uh, I think... Unless it is, I get passionate. And then I talk all over everybody. <laughs> M does get very passionate, that's for sure. She, she does. And Jake, I think that's our time. I know. Such an hour that goes by so quickly. But you know what? We need to pick a topic for next week. What are we going to pick for next week, Brandon? I don't know. I think we should let, let the group decide. Group, what do you want to talk about next week? What, what should we discuss? All right. Well, since I was silent out there, we will Jake and I will figure out a topic for next week. Don't forget to follow us over on the block. It is in I, it's in my profile. Jake, is the link in your profile? Yes. Yes. All right. Over there, we'll, we will post topics of stuff we discussed all the, today based on what we talked about and we'll post articles and links and movies and all sorts of stuff that you might need. Um, yeah. And then we'll figure out, I don't even know. We'll have to figure that out. We'll announce it to the group and we'll just, we'll go from there. We'll have to figure out a topic, Jake for next week. Jake's all quiet. All of a sudden he must be laughing or choking or something. Who knows what he's doing? I, I hope that everybody will join in on Wednesday next week. Um, <laughs> We have, really do have so much fun talk, chatting with you guys. And you know what? We're pushing 100 followers over there on the block. Already. Oh, my gosh. That's awesome. It's So if you want to give a follow, we're not even that old. I think, Jake, we're just under two months old. We've yeah. not been doing We missed our one-month anniversary. I know. Uh, it's right. People. We'll celebrate one of Fine. these days. We'll, we'll celebrate when we hit 100. So, all right. I think it's time to get off here. Everybody have a good night. Keep writing, and we'll talk to you next week. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.